You are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with Nate, a.k.a. Grand Champion of Second Wind Ghost Deer. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, not even, I just, I try to call you a Grand Champion and you don't even respond. <laughs> You're just like, let's roll right past that, you know, stay, stay humble. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I finally won something worth winning, right? Won a big event uh, after podiuming a bunch of times. And, you know, it was it was good to win an event, and it was good to get my revenge on DeLuca, right? And since he <laughs> knocked me out of the LVO finals, I was very happy to get the run back against him. I think our next game is going to be super exciting to see who wins the the best of three. best of three. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that'll be super cool. Maybe, maybe it'll happen at LVO. But you We're got a qualifier be because second wind wasn't a qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to your episode and you were talking about how you were kind of excited about the the last chance qualifier and what mm-hmm. that event would be like. And you were like, mm-hmm. well, if I don't qualify, I am excited to play in it. But, you know, you'd love to be qualified and you've got an event and then you, you do get a win. But it's one that's not a qualifier. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to win the award of like doing the most work, like winning the biggest event that doesn't qualify, <laughs> right? And now there is one more qualifier here in Sacramento in a couple of weeks that I think I'm going to be able to make it to, fingers crossed. Um, so I got one more shot there, but if not, I'm definitely going to do the LCQ. I still think that's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, it'll be, it would, it would be very interesting. I mean, because um, at this point, Vince isn't qualified either, right? No. So, I mean, one way or another, it would be really interesting just to hear the Alfredo Size 3 Taco Truck of Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast's thoughts on what playing in the LCQ is like. Because I'm obviously not going to be able to play it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and it would be really interesting to hear what highly competitive players think about how that goes and how mm-hmm. that impacts. And especially if you get one of the spots and then mm-hmm. after playing, like, potentially five rounds and then going into the Invitational, you know, you know, I, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on it if you end up doing it. So yeah, it would make for great content. Um, but yes, so listeners, um, Nate here will go six and zero, or yeah, six and zero with mm-hmm. uh, with X Men at Second Wind in Chicago, which is you know basically you created your own tournament so that you could win it. Is <laughs> I think what's going on, right? Um, well, luckily I have an excuse because this tournament was created by Vince Patton bots before I knew them. Uh, I am now in pretty well involved in the setting up and running of the event, but I can't take credit for actually creating it. So I'm still okay. safe there. I was also going to say, if you wanted to like create an easy event for you to win, you probably shouldn't invite like all of the Montreal Shark Tank <laughs> and DeLuca and Chewy. And, you know, you, you could have toned down the invitations a little bit to make it easier on you. Yeah. I mean, part of the, I wouldn't say problem, but part of the fun of this event is it's like a lot of uh, ex Ball friends will all come to this one, right? Um, and even the ones who haven't played like a ton, a huge amount of Marvel are just really good at tabletop games, right? And so like, uh, it's it's a real Shark Tank. There's a lot of real threats in there, right? Um, and I think there's some surprising ones like my buddy Zach Gray, who, you know, plays a decent amount, but not a huge amount, went I think four and two with Spider Foes. Uh, like he was beating up people and gave DeLuca a run for his money playing Spider Foes. So it's the, the competition there, especially, you know, the top half uh, gets pretty intense. Well, I also think the fact that you guys do the 
um, the affiliation awards and make that a big part of the event really encourages people to try to be faction champions. Yes. And, you know, I, there was like a winner guard in the top eight, right? <laughs> you know, there was, uh, there was a really strong diversity and Zach, uh, Mandalorian Orange specifically said he played against a different affiliation at all six rounds. And that just made the game, made it super fun and interesting. Yeah. I think uh, we got multiple positive comments on that, especially this year. Uh, because you've always done best in affiliation prizes, right? Um, but this year in particular, uh, we got a lot of positive feedback because there are some concerns right now about the meta being a little stale and the choices being kind of narrow. But it turns out a little faction token is more than enough motivation for people <laughs> yeah. to branch out a little bit, right? Yeah. And so in a 55-player event, we had all... 23 affiliations including one guy legitimately just playing unaffiliated and we had to make him a token on the spot because we didn't plan for someone to come up and try to win the best unaffiliated player but yeah we had representation i, I could look it up but how did they do uh two and three okay well props to them for you know being a cool snowflake i i respect the effort but it is cool when you go okay i don't i don't genuinely think that i'm in the running for first but i'm here to drink and walk away with my faction token yeah and you just needed to not play x-men <laughs> <laughs> um by the way, I, I would say one of my favorite parts about your triumph is that I took an X-Men break for a couple of months and I've had to put up with as soon as any meta shift, everyone is so ready to say that X-Men is not good anymore. Mm. Every mm -hmm. meta shift, it's like, okay, well, X-Men's out. And and then you're just like, no, no, they're fucking not. And uh, I, I express my love and appreciation for that. I think... At this point, it would be very hard for me to imagine a meta where X-Men are totally out of the conversation, right? Um, they just have that, like, perfect spread of a great leadership, right? Like, that leadership is going to be good no matter what's going on. Uh, and then they have good, flexible, and cheap characters, right? So they can have a really cheap core if they need to splash something big and scary. They have just good at models to bring, right? They can go wide, they can go tall, they can go in the middle. Uh, I would be, it's really hard for me to imagine a time where X-Men aren't at least like A tier, if not in the conversation for best. And so I think that balances out nicely with the fact that they're definitely one of the hardest factions to get going with, right? Um, you've talked about this a bunch of times, but most X-Men podcasts will talk about this. Just learning how to use them, learning how to use the leadership, learning how to use the characters is definitely a higher bar than the average faction, but there's a really good return on that investment. Yeah, 100%. And we won't dive into that too deeply. I think most people are aware of that by now. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of people know, you know, X-Men have a little bit of a learning curve, but it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. You know, there's just like, there's so many interesting splash characters you could choose from and mm -hmm. they synergize so well with so many different models that kind of whatever the meta becomes, you know, maybe if there's just like a meta that just like shits on cover really heavily and, you know, you know, if there's, if there are some certain things that really come out of the woodworks, I could see maybe it happening. I just think it's funny that like X-Men is kind of the best affiliation that everybody is ready to say is not top tier at any given moment. Mm -hmm. uh, but you you really cemented like, hey, X-Men hold up in this meta. And like Simon, you know, having two oh, yeah. X-Men in the top four uh, yep. certainly did not hurt the conversation. And you you both of you had 
some not like major differences, but significant differences in your roster mm-hmm. um, that showed that you both had been practicing for the meta and did have some slightly different solutions. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into this some. Obviously, you've got six games. I don't expect you to remember everything, but I think the you know kind of the what ends up with the crisis combination and how that affects your list decision is a really important thing to hear as people want to develop and steal your roster and hope to copy your success. And <laughs> so um, I'm going to run through your roster real quick for the listeners, just in case you're, you know, listener who's hopping in and this is like your first time and you're just, you're excited about X-Men. You heard that Nate is the ultimate grand champion of second <laughs> wind. And you're like, I want to play what Nate's playing. And so you are rocking Storm, Beast, X-23, Domino, and Rogue is your core. And then Dr. Voodoo, Honey Badger, Ebony Maw, Toad, and Juggernaut rounding out the list. And then your taxes cards were Brace, To Me, My X-Men, First Class, Exceptional Healing, Mission Objective, Fallback, Sacrifice, Silence is how I like to call that card for podcasting. Sure. Uh, do You Know Who I Am, No Matter the Cost, and then your crises are Mutant Madmen, Portals, uh, Spider Portals, Sword, Spider Infected, Struggle for the Cubes, and Hammers or Fear Grips. Um, so some of that is pretty standard X-Men stuff, but you also made some very specific adjustments for the meta, like Ra Ma is the nickname for <laughs> Ebony Ma, no, no gem. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that a bit as we go through some of your games, because it was something that in the back of my head, I always kind of thought would work, but it didn't really feel like the highest priority choice to test. Like I'm sure if you go back there are posts in the X-Men, I'm like, I'm considering these different five threats, any thoughts. And Ebony Ma was always in there and felt interesting, but I don't know. I just, I'm not sure I ever actually tried it. And so um, I'm excited that it's it's doing really well for you guys, um, and I want to try it too, and I haven't had a chance yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I never considered Ebony Maw either with or without a gem for X-Men. Um, I've never... I have never tried to convince Sploosh to play it without the gem because he was all in on mm-hmm. space, and I'm like, oh, man, it's so much better at five. The math for a five is just so much more glorious in X-Men. Yes. Um, uh, but like, cause I've had locals try to get work out of Ebony Maw and he's always been fine, but he's never blown me away. Right. Um, and it just didn't seem like what I wanted. Uh, and it wasn't until I saw Simon posted about he'd been testing Ebony Maw without a gem and X-Men a lot, uh, and found it very helpful into Malekith and explained all this reasoning. And I'm like, all right. You know, I, I'm very easy to convince with a good argument, <laughs> right? Uh, I will change my mind on a dime if somebody prevents good evidence about why my thinking was wrong previously. People really uh, and appreciate so about when you. I saw his argument. <laughs> so when I saw his arguments, I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds dope. I'll give it a shot. And so I got literally one practice game with Maul before second one. Uh, and it wasn't even into Malekith. It was just into, uh, what was my buddy playing? I think it was just Black Order. Yeah. Uh, and I was just immediately impressed with it, right? Um, even not the matchup he's there for, but he really does just end up doing exactly what the list needs to do, right? Uh, he abuses the storm hop really well, having a terrain throw. I, I, 
learned that I don't like rosters that have zero ways of getting rid of terrain. Uh, I have played some X-Men rosters that really struggle to be able to get big and even medium-sized pieces of terrain out of the way. And I don't, I don't like that. I actually think it's worth going out of my way in the future to make sure I have ways of cleaning up the board when I need to and throwing the stuff at people before it gets thrown at me. Hmm. That that's probably something I will need to try more. Cause thinking about my rosters in general, I very rarely play the terrain throwy guys. And I often like making people's brace like almost pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I see your point because there's also a lot of games where even throwing defensively can be so powerful where you can just use a superpower that goes, I am not going to have to worry about that size four piece of terrain being thrown at me <laughs> simply because I got it out of the way. Yeah, uh, minor spoilers for round five when I was playing it as Zach's Hulk, but like the first two, t- first first turn of the game and the second turn was just like Hulk and Maw throwing big terrain at whoever was close enough just so that the opponent couldn't throw that at them, right? Like he's just <laughs> taking, throwing the size four into Beast, not because he cares about killing Beast, but because he doesn't want to take the size four. And then I'm throwing size threes into Hulk, not because I expect it to do anything to Hulk, but because I don't want to get hit by the size three. Yeah. I had a I had a game way pretty far back now in my early testing of Hulkbuster where I was like I just dazed I think Ultron mm-hmm. in one attack and I was like oh I was totally gonna throw that size four piece of train at you and then I actively made the choice to not throw it and then mm-hmm. Ultron threw it at me next round and I rolled <laughs> yep. no blocks yep. and I was like why didn't I just throw it I knew that he was gonna activate <laughs> why didn't I just throw it away um, but yeah. So let's let's dive into the games. So sure. um, you start off round one. You seem I, I feel like you were probably pretty confident going into the event. Like you've gotten a lot of practice. I feel like you're probably feeling nope, like you're in quite a good the place. opposite. So no? <laughs> I the past two months I've played very little. Actually, uh, my work schedule got kind of nuts, uh, and I had some vacation time in there as well, doing some traveling. So I'd actually. This was the least prepared I have felt for an event maybe in my life to the point where the Friday night before I was talking to bots, who was one of the TOs for the event, asking if he was more excited to play, does he want my spot and I will TO instead? Because I just really had no expectations for how I would do in this event um, and really didn't think, you know, I figured I'd do all right, but did not think I had any chance of winning it. Uh Luckily so for me, bots said no. There's alternate dimensions where bots wins two back to back, and you <laughs> don't play in this one. Yeah, that's absolutely. what you're saying. Um, I was gonna say, like, do you feel like there's a little bit of an asterisk next year win because you didn't have to beat bots to triumph after his success? No, I'm pretty confident <laughs> I can beat bots whenever I want. Well, that's good. Um, listeners, by the way, that was a, that was a joke. I'm not actually putting an <laughs> yeah. asterisk on Nate's win. Um, okay. So round one, it looked like you win priority against a black order player. Um, mm-hmm. and you end up with alien ship and sword base. So mm-hmm. I assume you chose secures. Yep. All right. And so then threat level, he chose 20. Yes. Okay. And then what so, did, what did what did the teams end up being for this? Yeah, so he was doing a fairly unique black order list. This is an idea I hadn't seen before, where uh I don't even I don't think he even had Thanos in his list. It was Corvus led uh with a Malekith in the wings. Oh. Interesting. 
which is a problem I hadn't really considered. Before, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> You're like, like not feeling super practiced, and we're starting off things with uh, a new new roster concept that you hadn't even considered. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So no Thanos. He only has Corvus, and then he has uh, like Power Swan, Ebony Maw, Hulk, Malekith, a bunch of big expensive dudes he wants to play alongside the Corvus Proxima trained. Okay. So uh, what were the teams? So he ended up playing Corvus Proxima, Power Swan, and M- Malekith. Scary. I played Storm, Maw, Voodoo, Badger, Domino, and X-23. That sounds pretty scary as well. Um, so with these first four games, we're not going to dive in too deep, but if you could give us kind of like, what are some of the most influential things that led to this game going one way or the other? Yeah. Um, so this game proved to me that I really like playing sword, especially with the mall version of this list, because when you get sword, you know, so one of their models is going to have to come to the center point or they're basically just giving you the sword basis turn one for free, which is also great. Uh, and it means you can set up your scariest guns in the middle and be confident they'll have something to shoot. So I can put Maw and Domino in the middle and they can do the unpacking I did most games with them where Domino will roll forward to be a teleport node for Maw to hop off of and still be in range to throw her grenade at whoever came to the center point. So then they're incinerated, mock and hop at them, shoot once or twice, throw stuff at them. They're in for a bad time. Um, so they set so up. I want to that. back up on mm-hmm. that for just a second, because I haven't seen you do this specifically. Mm-hmm. Is it something where um, she can walk up and he can immediately hop off of her? Or does she yes. walk kind of? OK, so she walks to like range two of him. He's directly exactly. across. Then she with the range four from that spot can grenade whoever the fuck. Yeah, it's a range for ignore line of sight matters quite a lot because there's often terrain that would be in between the, you know, where she wants to stand in the target, but Domino doesn't give a shit. So, hooray. And easily to confuse because, like, the commando's grenade is range three. Yes. And so it, that could be something that people forget that hers is range four because, you know, she doesn't, she'll just bounce that shit off of walls and, you know, people and lunch boxes or whatever. Okay. So she just walks this a little bit forward, exactly range two. So he's got a hop and then a walk mm-hmm. onto the point easy. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. So you can set up for that kind of thing. Um, all right. So give us a, give us some yeah, little so rundown. The, the rest of this game uh, came down to a couple things. Uh, my opponent uh, had never played on sword before, which means that you're in for a bad time. Uh, it's a very punishing crisis if you haven't seen it and don't understand the tempo of it. Um, and then that got compounded by the fact that he was, I think, a little rightfully so scared of all the guns in the middle. And he put Malekith on my left flank, like directly across from that portal, which meant that I could throw just kind of one model over there to tussle over the portal and send the rest of my list against the rest of his list. And I'm very confident that Maw, Voodoo, Badger, Domino, and 23 can beat up Corvus, Proxima, and Swan. Uh, I think that's a very advantage matchup for me. And so I do that. I score the sword turn one. I spend the entire game using the sword push to push Malekith away. Uh, He... 
you know, Malekith tries to fight his way through that and kill Storm and come rejoin the fight. But by the time he manages to actually make it to the center, uh, the rest of the, his models have kind of been dazed or KO'd, and I'm just scoring the other two sword bases and went out that way. Yeah, and so <laughs> the end score is 18 to 0. Yeah, uh, no, he tried to find the alien core a lot. I tried a little bit towards the end. No one ever found it. So it was just score the sword six turns in a row and win the game. Literally nobody ever found the alien ship. Yep. That's that's hilarious. I hate that crisis. <laughs> uh, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's just move on to the next round. So um, you get your first round win. Are you, are you someone who has like a little bit of first round jitters, shakiness or anything? No, not usually. Okay. Well, either way, you get that first win under your belt. So probably feeling a little better going and a really resounding victory. I feel really good about Maw. That was the biggest thing of round one was just more evidence that Maw is actually a boss and is useful. Really what this event taught me is that Maw is a great model, even when I'm not fighting Malekith, and that he can just be part of normal game plans and isn't just a counterpick for Malekith games. Yeah, um, I am not surprised by that at all. I, in theory, I was just like I kind of liked having my my five threat be on a bigger base, like Doctor yes. Strange or Corvus or you know uh, Red Skull Two or you Jedi. know any yeah. You know. Um, and so I was just a little concerned that having the smaller base would like make the jumps just a little bit harder and like is he worth it? Um, but in theory, it seemed like Ma could do lots of things. So I'm. And he's a model like I, I liked him in the movies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even when he came out, I kind of like I thought the counter spell was cool. He's mm-hmm. got a spender that doesn't give people power. I don't know how often you get to use it. There was a lot to like about him, but it also was this weird power economics package that someone was going to have to unlock. Yeah. Um, so props to Simon for sharing all this <laughs> juiciness with all of us. Absolutely. Um, respect where respect is deserved. So. Round two, you get to win priority again. So shaking off the rust, you get priority two games in a row. Gotta love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up with mutant madman spider infected against web warriors. So I'm going to assume you chose secures. Yep. Okay. And so they choose. Uh, Adam chooses seventeen threat. Um, mm-hmm. What did you What did you assemble team wise in this? Yeah, so this was a game where I was super happy to have made the change I made very late Friday morning, which was to put Juggernaut back in the roster. Um, I had actually cut him for a while leading up to this event, but because I don't love his matchup into Malekith, right? Uh, I think Malekith largely just gets to pick on him and abuse him, and he's not very helpful at yeah. dealing with Malekith. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to keep Jugs around. Um, but I brought him with me to Chicago because I wasn't sure. I actually brought 19 models to make a roster of 10 because I couldn't decide what was going to be in my roster. Um, and- so, listeners, I just want to tell you, like, this is the world of playing X-Men, is that you will have, <laughs> like, six models locked in, six, maybe seven, and those mm-hmm. other three slots, you will have, like, 20 characters that you're yes, considering. For- that is the world of playing X-Men because... But that's also one of the cool parts, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone gets to put their little Nate stamp or their Simon stamp or their Sploosh stamp or their Omnis stamp or whatever. Everybody, uh, um, and I'm like, 
can't sh- can't leave out Jesse. Like Jesse no, gets yeah, put his sure. stamp too. Um, I think that's one of the funnest parts about X Men, right? Is because you have some really interesting flex slots that really that you can switch out for the meta or switch out to your preferences. And that's, that's super cool. And so if people are like listening to this and wanting to get into X-Men, that is a really cool part that you can make those examinations and like tweak a few slots and the list functions really well. And so I'm also happy that you chose Juggernaut. God, that guy is, I will still say X-Men Juggernaut is the best Juggernaut. Yeah, I totally agree. And like thinking about my games on Friday morning, a lot of my like most comfortable and most dominant wins have involved Juggernaut. Like in a pre-Malekith world, he was my MVP. He was great. Like strongest wins with Juggernaut. And so I was like, you know, I haven't had a lot of time to practice with new stuff. I don't feel super confident. I'm going to bring my safety blanket and put Juggernaut back in here. Because in any games where there's not a Malekith, he's the model I have the most reps with in that five threat slot. And in some of my losses at LSO, I looking back, I thought I should have played Juggernaut more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just okay. an insane model. So yeah, I played Storm, Jugs, Beast, Toad, and Rogue. And he played Miles, Gwen, Cat, Lizard, Angela. Okay, solid. So you did get a game in with Rogue. I was curious because the twos have drifted or shifted a bit in the the X Men trends, um, but it allowed you to go Rogue as opposed to like an X twenty three or something. Um, out of yeah. curiosity, before we get into the game, are you like are you happy with that setup for this? Very, yeah. Okay. So I actually played Rogue a couple times, and it's always just Rogue is a math solution. I've never gone out of my way to make sure I have Rogue. It's just a question of does the math need me to have a four threat here? Uh, in this case, I needed an affiliated four threat here, so Rogue was great. But she's very good into spiders, right? She's very good into Miles and Web Warriors, and she's really good on Mad Men. So yeah, um, being able to play beast rogue and jugs on madman is great you just have so much mobility and so much control over the portals um it lets you then kind of focus on making sure they don't run away with the extracts and you should win pretty comfortably if that happens 100 percent agree that we were on the same page with rogue amazing character but never really one that you're changing other decisions to fit her in she's mm-hmm. one that fits in when the math says she fits in Yep, exactly. Okay, so what was the Web Warrior player bringing? Yeah, so they had kind of an interesting list where they did Miles, Gwen, and Cat, all very standard. Uh, they had Lizard, who I think is a great pick for Web Warriors and very helpful on Bad Men. And then they brought Angela, which I haven't seen very much of, but I think is a pretty interesting and cool choice. Um, I mean, she's just a solid character in general. I, I never can begrudge someone for playing Angela. <laughs> Yeah, and she's reasonably good at the Web Warriors game of, you know, running around getting stuff. She can certainly run away with extracts pretty well if she needs to. She's good at flipping Mad Men points, right? Um, and she like, gives them a terrain throw, points. like you were yeah. talking about earlier. Yes. Like, at least you have a terrain throw to get stuff out of the way to protect your webs as well. Mm-hmm. Lots, lots to like there. But that is less traditional, right? This is not what we've seen, like... In a lot of cases, we would have potentially seen like a voodoo plus a four threat or something in this sort of situation would have been very common. Um, mm-hmm. 
So a little, so props to Adam for like kind of shaking up the web warrior tech a little bit. So one, what were some of the key defining moments of this game? Yeah. So, uh, it's a fairly, so I debate a little bit on turn one, how to use my hop, right? Because I have priority, which means I can hop, use a storm hop to go get the center spider infected and back up. Or yeah. I can save it for either Beast or Juggernaut to be able to easily get at my opponent's Madman and try to put more pressure there, right? And so I go back and forth on this for a little bit and then decide I'm going to save my hop and just have Toad go get the center extract because he can do that with the range too. Uh, and I, he, I saw he had lined up Angela across from the center point so that he could grab it if I don't. And the nice thing about Toad is if he picks it up from range two, Angela can't punch him, right? She will be just out of range with a long move to be able to hit him. She did throw a size four at him, which almost killed him. How close is that math? Is that something that someone would have to worry about on like a slightly shorter table? Uh, Possibly. And it's something you definitely have to be careful if you're not like across the spider infected from them, right? Like if you cheat a little bit to the left and they're a little bit to the left, uh, Angela can come get you. But I think on most tables, as long as you try to get directly opposite Angela across the token, you should be fine. Okay. And then obviously if there's any terrain that makes it a little more difficult for her to land, that could also give you even more breathing room, but just something to keep in mind. Listeners like all, not all mats are exactly (laughs) three feet. Um, So be, be conscientious there, but um, okay. So you decide to grab it with toad. She does chuck a terrain into you, but you live. Yeah. And I mean, if I do die to it, Angela doesn't have the power to then pick it up because she only has two and it costs two to throw. So yeah. it would just be leave it in an inconvenient place and then probably have Angela back up. And then I would have the storm hop ready to have somebody go hop and try to get it and either bring it back or at least just hold it so that he can't because after Angela, he doesn't really have any threatening models to kill me, right? Like if Juggernaut is standing in the middle of the table holding that, Miles, Gwen, Cat, and Lizard are not threatening his life very well. Thank God um, her uh, ranged attack is not a uh, builder or like a gainer. Yeah. Yes. But not um, that that character needs more power generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So interesting. I do that so, so that I can save the storm hop for Juggernaut on my right side and try to put more pressure on these points early. Because if I can end the turn with three of the five spider infected and three of the four madmen, I'm feeling really good. Right. Yeah, uh, that would be whew. like when you score, especially in a situation like this, like getting six the first round, meaning that if you go six, five, five, you just win. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. That's like immediate clock for opponents. And X-Men love that because your health, is, you don't have that fourth round of your health wearing down, which can no. be rough sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, Juggernaut completely shits the bet on me uh he rolls up to the lizard who's standing on the point goes to punch him does i think either zero or one damage and doesn't get the push and then tries to flip the trap out from under the under lizard and fails that as well um so i don't at least you know when deluca listens to this he's gonna be like yeah (laughs) fuck juggernaut can't believe like yeah why does he have to fail against everyone but me love you juggernaut had a very i mean he makes one attack towards the end in a black hat that was super important, but otherwise just did not have an impressive game. Uh, oh, yeah. My jugs rolls like shit, except against DeLuca. 
Uh, my jokes is usually amazing. Like, uh, side note here, but this is a fun story. I was playing one of my good buddies here in a local event, Andrew, uh, who's playing Criminals, Shadowland Daredevil. And yeah. it's on Alien Ship and Spider Portals. And he's like, well, I'm going to have Shadowland Daredevil go walk up and see if you can find the ship because he's a big, tough potato and I don't have anything else for him to do. So he walks up and rolls and finds the core. And I'm like, well, shit. That's going to be hard for me to get off of him. And if he gets away with it, this game's going to be really hard. Yeah. So I send Juggernaut at him. And Juggernaut hop, slide, walks up, punches Daredevil, one shots Chatelain Daredevil through his health, <laughs> through his count blanks, grabs the core and slides away twice. Ooh, yuck. <laughs> He's such a dumb character when he goes off. Yeah. Um, but anyways, right, for this game, back. so I don't get the dominant turn one win, but I'm still, we're still splitting the secure and I have the extra spider infected. So not unhappy with how things go. And the way the rest of this game plays out is that just, I get the matchups I want on both sides of the board and I'm able to, when I lose, start losing one side, I start winning the other side. And if I start losing that side, then the other side starts bringing back my way, which compounds with the extract advantage I started with so that as long as I win one of those two, I'm happy. So it's Beast and Rogue are dealing with Angela and Gwen. And then Storm, Toad, and Jugs are dealing with Miles, Cat, and Lizard. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you. I fucking love deploying on B shapes. Yeah. It is such an interesting mini game. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it so much. It's always so interesting. You're like, Oh, I don't want to deploy this character until they deploy this character. And, Oh, it's, it's so interesting. And man, does it feel like you won the lottery when you like, you feel like you get all the, the matchups that you want. You're just like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Who needs, who needs, uh, I don't, I, I don't play any lottery, so I couldn't even think of a lottery <laughs> thing off the top of my head. <laughs> Listeners, what's your local lottery that you thought of when I said that? Um, Powerball. Powerball. There's oh, one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you got the matchups that you wanted, um, and it looks like the game ends up 16-11 with you winning. Um, did it go to four rounds, or were you still able to win it in three? Uh, it must have been. It must have been three, three rounds. rounds. You went sixteen yeah. to eleven. It was very close um, leading into that last turn uh, because the first two turns, Juggernaut really just wasn't doing anything. And when your five threat isn't getting work done, it gets kind of spooky. Um, so that was definitely like one of the closest games of the weekend, even if the score doesn't show it that way. But when it got to turn three. Uh, Juggernaut finally did good work and was able to, I think there was a turn where he got to like walk backwards, punch Miles to KO Miles, then slide to the like forward and to the left to get around my toad and then slide over into Black Cat to hit her. And then I could do you know her back into Storm and Toad who could then kill her. Uh, he had he had a wonderful Juggernaut turn there, which meant that whole side he was on collapsed in my favor. All right. I have an interesting, unprepared question for you in this moment. Okay. Would you still play Juggernaut if Do You Know Who I Am became Brotherhood affiliation only? Yes. He is I, really fucking good at X-Men. Well, it's, um, it's a hard question. And yeah. some of it, 
I know that I would because I am extremely guilty of sitting on that card too long. And I have had games where I don't actually end up using it because I'm trying to save it for like the coolest, most impressive and most like turn winning is throw imaginable and then it just never comes up and so just the number of games where i'm too cautious with it and don't use it and still enjoy juggernaut mean that i'm comfortable doing it without that card but also i should just play that stupid card more <laughs> yeah probably but you got the win so congratulations you're now you're now two and oh not feeling super practiced going into all of this but you've got you got two really solid wins um, you triumph over a Web Warriors, which is a super, you know, technical game. Um, so you've got to like play against a technical control and you played against, you know, all out murder and you've kind of beaten both already. Going into round three, you get um, Dylan playing Winterguard. Mm-hmm. H- had you even played this into, I suppose, Bots is playing Winterguard. So I guess, of sh- of course, you've played into Winterguard. Uh, so yeah, I've played I think X Men into Winter Guard once or twice. Um, I have a local here who also is into Winter Guard, and I've also played Winter Guard myself. Uh, I think two or three times at this point. I think they're a really interesting faction, uh, and I think they get a bad rep and are much better than people think they are. But that's probably a different podcast. But yeah, I was happy to have had an above average amount of experience in dealing with Winter Guard. So. You win priority for the third game in a row. And the last time for the event. <laughs> um, you choose Secures, and you end up Sword Base Research Station. Um, but you had to play C-Line with Research against me at Adepticon. So you kind of know what this is like having to play against that sort of thing. Um, uh, and they choose 16 Threat. Um, what, what is the team composition? This is, this is a weird one. I have, I, I don't even know what you would choose in this situation. (laughs) Yeah. So in contrast to our Adepticon game, I actually feel extremely happy about this combination with the X-Men roster. Um, and I actually have come around to wanting to just play C's in general. Uh, and I don't know, probably at the end we can talk about like changes to my roster, but I've cut. Uh, mute madmen for meteors because I want more C's because the X-Men leadership combined with first class combines with just like the characters you take, you can really do a lot of work turn one more than most factions, right? Uh, with the storm hop, with potentially yeah. no matter the cost with beast range three attack with storms gun, uh, you can, you can do a lot early. And so uh, I take storm domino beast X-23, and Rogue. And he plays Dynamo, Ursa, Red Guardian, and Power Swan. So did you did you play five X-Men? Yes. Oh, man. Like, the X-Men fans are like, what? What? No Splash characters. Screw them Splash characters. Yeah, I um, mean, if I had one more threat, I obviously would have probably like upgraded Rogue into Maw, because um, I would have liked to have Maw here, but with sword base, I really want five characters, right? Uh, just having the extra bodies there to get sword flips, I think is very important. Uh, I also think, so I tried to bait him into a trap here that I've gotten a lot of what people with. What was his with. team real quick? Yeah. Uh, so Crimson Dynamo, Ursa, Red Guardian, and Power Swan. Oh. 
that's interesting. Which I think okay. is a very good list. Yeah, I like that yeah. list a lot. Uh, Power Swan is great in Winter Guard. And so one of the things I like about being all X-Men uh, is you end up with this list on the setup, you play very aggressively with Storm, which most people don't expect because they're like, oh, Storm squishy and you want to keep her alive, you're going to keep her safe. And I'm like, no, very often, I'm just going to double move her to the center point and flip it, right? Uh, and the reason I do this is because people will be like, oh, well, there's a squishy Storm sitting right in the middle. I want to go kill her. And so they'll, you know, walk forward and make an attack into Storm, which is very unlikely to actually kill Storm. Uh, and it's probably just going to do some damage. And if they do that, then you get to play to me, my X-Men with as whatever power she has and move that many X-Men up forward. And now you have an incredible amount of control over the sword bases, right? Oh like, my God. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, well, and also if someone just walks up and makes an attack, that means they're not getting onto the secure, which that is as well. Yes. Yeah. This is like your priority. You're like, this is the research base and sword. There's so many points on the line here. Okay, so did did uh did poor Dylan fall into the trap? He did not. He actually either knew or just was smart enough to just like, well, he had Power Swan, Power Swan lined up to be able to walk charge the center point because that's what Power Swan does. Yeah. Uh, and he was smart enough to wait as late as this. That was his last activation of the turn to minimize the reprisal. Right, uh, which I think was very smart. So I don't know if he saw that specific bait coming or just knew there's no reason not to wait on the swan activation. Um, but he waited until the end to go with swan. And so uh, how this game shook out is that he did this with swan, uh, you know, walk, charge in, did some damage to storm, didn't daze her, pushed her off the point. And I was like, okay, uh, domino, storm hops forward, shoots doesn't grenade but just pistol shots into swan dazes swan uh and then walks onto the point to take the point back from her so two pistols just like <laughs> bloop, get off yep. my table a uh, whole bunch of successes no wilds for him to blank anywhere in there and he rolled very poorly on defense uh she just got got <laughs> and then the next turn you know uh she has a whole bunch of power and goes ham, you know, spending all of that with some everything dies. Uh, I, I think if I remember this one, right. So I'm trying to remember because a very similar thing happened in game one where he was also playing power swan on sword. And so I might be mixing some of these two games up because it's a very uh, similar it, thing, but you're the grand champion. Whatever you say <laughs> is just law. And sure. so that rewrites history, you know, the, the winner of the war writes the history. Right. And so we'll just go with thing, whatever you say that happened here is that he spent all his power. I think he ended up like, I sacrifice one onto beast and he dazes beast. And then the second attack, everything dies, goes into domino and only does like three damage into domino. Yeah. And so then I activate domino. domino. She shoots her pistols at Swan KO Swan with her first action and then can walk up onto the researcher. (laughs) Oh, domino. When you, when domino works, she really works. Oh my god, she was having a weekend for me. I was very close to cutting her from my roster because the last couple times I played her, she really just has let me down. But I think the combination of being really good friends with Ma, being really good into the tall boy meta, uh, and then just rolling hot as the sun this weekend, uh, she's she's locked in my list for the foreseeable future. Domino was an MVP multiple times. Yeah, I had a game where she just tanked two attacks from Corvus. Mm-hmm. 
and you're just like, well, she's a fucking god and never leaving my roster. And then like she'll like have her bad games, and then like you cut her, and then you put her back in, and then she's just like does one of those moments again. You're like dominoes in forever. I love her, and we'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah, I think one of the things I was talking with Simon about this kind of after the event. I know a lot of people think. Uh, and I don't think they're like X23 is one of the best X-Men, right? And I agree with that statement that she is very good. And I like X23 quite a bit. And I, this is not like, oh, buff X23. But I think <laughs> too many X-Men players play X23 too often and should be playing Domino in your murder slot, right? Um, especially in the tall boy meta. When you're talking about bringing down a Hulk or a Malekith or a Thanos, Domino does that so much better than X23. I will say my personal opinion is that X-23 is the best X-Men, but I agree with you, and I've played multiple matchups lately, even though I'm playing the the X-Men Red build lately, I've still cut her from the team and played like Colossus and Rogue um, just because I didn't feel like it was the right situation for her, but that doesn't detract from me feeling like she might be the best overall X-Men. But I, I agree with your, your sentiment that is essentially, even if she is the best or close to the best, whatever your feelings are, she's still not a 100% every game character. Yeah. And I don't think X-Men have one of those outside of storm, uh, but for sure. Yeah. 100%. I, I think, I think every X-Men bro out there or uh, X-Men sis, um, I would like to have some X-Men sisses. Um, <laughs> um, man, also, like, shoot us a shoot us a message if, like, you're all in on X-Men. We want to know our X-Men bros and sisses. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, so, round four, you get Avengers um, against um, uh, Conan. Is it Conan or Conan? Uh, Conan, I believe. Okay. I kind of want to call him Conan anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> I know Conan did very well. <laughs> I hope yeah, you guys are yeah. like, I'm like, Conan, Nate, Ghostier versus Conan. <laughs> um, and um, so you lose priority. Yep. Um, but he chooses extracts? Because uh, it ended up being Montessi yes. and Sword Base. So you don't have Montessi. So he had to choose extracts against you. So, so he was an Avengers player that was playing Sword spider portals and mutant madman and so he's just like well might as well take my extracts because i like all of your secures we we have the same secures on both like literally identical secures of course he picks extracts yeah um so just for the listeners he had montessi um senators and scrolls so his extracts were totally different yes like way different um, but I imagine for you, if you had to choose between the three Montessi senators or scrolls, that feels like probably the one you would have wanted. 1000%, especially <laughs> because he was a Malekith player. I don't know if he played Malekith every round, but he's trying to play. He has Hulk, Juggernaut, and Malekith all in his roster. He wants to play big boy stuff. And so... I'm expecting Malekith to come out here. And with that knowledge, Montessi is far Conan, and away the best choice for me. Morgan. Coda, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're, you're actually just like, you know, like the Morgan roster, but it's similar concept. So the listeners will mm -hmm. find the joke funny, even if that's not true. Um, 
Um, okay, so that makes total sense. But you get Sword again and Montessi. So again, still a fairly central brawl. Um, mm-hmm. And what were the, the team compositions? Yeah, so I played Storm, Maw, Rogue, Domino, and Badger, which is not necessarily my favorite squad, but it was the one that fit 17 Threat. And he played Sam, Malekith, Toad, uh, Black Widow, the two-threat version, and Luke Cage. Wait, repeat his team one more time? So it's Sam, Malekith, and then a bunch of weenies. Toad, Two-Point Widow, and Luke Cage. Okay, so it is Avengers, but yeah, that's... That is a little strange, but I get the concept. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really cool squad, especially if it's going to be sword because he has five bodies, and you know the four cheap dudes are totally great at just running around and trying to make sure he doesn't get demolished on the secure. While and Malachis if you take any of them away from him, wants. he gets a Sam trigger. Yes. So even though Widow and Toad can be kind of easy to smush, the problem is if you smush. Then Malekith gets a free move and a heal. Yep. Yeah, interesting. That's those are always like really, really hard, delicate decisions to make. All right, so give us give us the the highlights. Sure. So this was one of the games that we actually talked about in the last Alfredo's episode at length because it's a very interesting opening. Uh, excuse uh, me, it's Alfredo's Size Three Taco Truck, a Marvel <laughs> Crisis Protocol podcast, not just Alfredo's. That's, yes, thank you so that's much. That's pasta. Vince would yell at me otherwise. Yeah. I appreciate you watching out for me. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I just don't want Vince yelling. I know he can be a very <laughs> aggressive overlord, and I just, as an X Men bro, I want your life to be easier. I appreciate that. Um. So, yeah, I think this is, ends up being a very interesting game to talk about where uh, – so he just kind of deploys normal. He puts Malekith in the middle. I put Maw and Domino in the middle, uh, and then we just have dorks on either side, right? And so he goes up with Luke Cage to get the portal on my right side. I go up with Storm on the left to get the sword on the left side. He sends Two-Point Widow into the center to get the book. Might have done that first activation. Doesn't matter. Uh, he sends Widow in the center to get the book, uh, so I can't run away with it. Uh, and then I decide that, like, well, he's smart enough that he's not going to commit Malekith to the center turn one. So I'm going to use Domino and Maw to make sure I get Widow off the center point and get it for myself, because then I should be able to score a sword and can push Mal. And you know that's the game plan, right? So I'm like, all right, do the same thing I do. Domino walks forward to just, you know, exactly within two of Maw towards the center, hiding behind a building, and she's going to throw her grenade at Widow to soften her up to make sure Maw can get her off the point. And she does that, and the grenade dazes uh, Black Widow, which is an enormous disaster because Malekith hasn't activated yet. And so Malekith gets the Sam leadership to walk directly towards Storm so that now he's not in walk charge range. He can just charge Storm. So I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, having been a fan of Alfredo's and having already listened to your episode, which I love. And again, I'm going to shout out listeners. You should absolutely check out the Alfredo's episode about Second Wind. It's called Raw Ma. Honestly, it's in my top five MCP episodes of the whole year. And seriously, it's one that I will probably listen to again. So please, if you've never listened to an Alfredo episode, please go check that one out. I think it's it's just really valuable, not just about second win. There's just it's just great all the way through. You listen to it 
And if you disagree, you can tell me and then I'll tell you to fuck <laughs> off. Um, um, so I was listening to you guys talk about it. And I have to admit that the whole time that you're talking about it, and I'm like, I think that's too risky. Like, I think Dazing Widow is so risky. I don't think that I would go for it. And then at the end of the discussion, you say, there's three points on the line. It's winning sword or not winning sword. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, it is three points, isn't it? God, what would I do in that situation? And I think this is one of those incredibly delicate decision-making points where obviously her throwing that grenade improves your odds of getting three VPs so much that the, the 7% or whatever chance that it backfires, that's such a hard call. Um, yeah. So- and I mean, that's important for people to note, right? Is that like, it's not that I was, you know, exploding Domino's crit. She didn't have any power to do that. It's just my four dice into her two dice needing to do four damage. It is a 7.5% chance that this blows up in my face. But boy, when it goes wrong, does it go wrong, right? Like the consequence for failure here is really high, but also the consequence of me not winning sword is very high. Yeah, like the there's the push, there's three VPs. It's so much. And like the odds are less than one in 10 games. Does that backfire? If you played the same match, 10 times you still might not ever do that Mm -hmm. i i i still to this moment i mean i i didn't listen i only listened like last night Mm -hmm. um so i haven't had even maybe a full 24 hours to like absorb all of this or write about 24 hours i don't know what i do i still don't know in this moment what i think is the right decision so Respect, you make the call, but it backfires. And so now you're, you know, you're three and O, and now you have a backfire round one against Malekith, one of the most potentially tilting models in the game right now for most people. It gets worse. So. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know <laughs> if my heart is ready. I'm getting old, Nate. How bad is this? So I'm like, okay, well, this is bad, but I now know where Malekith is going to go, right? And so he wants to wait for Malekith as long as possible, and I still have Badger and Maw to go, and he has, I think, Sam and Malekith to go. And so he just kind of waffles with Sam to set up for the next turn, uh, not wanting to come to the center, because then he's just going to empty Maud. He's just going to hang back and wait. And so then I have Badger double move to go be a near Storm. She couldn't quite get into a place like in front of Storm where she'd be able to taunt future attacks, but I do at least have Sacrifice, and my hope is I can split the damage here and try to get Storm out of the situation or take up more of Malekith's time. And so Badger double moves over to be near Storm, and then Malekith does his charge and charges. I sacrifice the first attack onto Badger, uh, and so this is just his normal seven dice pierce against my two with five health. He one shots Badger. And all the X-Men players are just like cringing over in pain <laughs> and like, oh, no, Malekith is going to ruin our dreams. Uh, and then by doing that, which was like a 25 percent or something like that, he then has a bucket of power so he yep. can then spend her into storm and day storm. Oh, God, Nate. I can only (laughs) imagine the feelings that you would be having in that moment. And I have nothing but respect if you stayed uh, composed. But I know from the way that you talk about how you approach gaming that, 
you are a first and foremost, a composure and um, respect and clean game person. Um, even though I know deep in your heart, this was a, a this was a stake and it hurt. Oh, but. yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not impossible to tilt, but it's pretty difficult. And um, I was, I, yeah, I was frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, this is blew up in my face about as hard as possible. Yeah. But the upside was that I did win sword and all of the spell books were on either the center or had drifted to my right side when Malekith was on my left side. So I was like, okay, if I can buy some time and prevent Malekith from joining the party. And then I, you know, he's got like toad with a spell book and I get the one in the middle. Like if I can get the spell book off of toad and score like six in a turn, I can put the game on a pretty fast clock. Right. And so that becomes the game plan. Uh, I'm happy that start of the next turn, he gets Pryo, goes with Malekith, charges into Storm, and only does like three damage. Which is, you know, I don't expect Malekith to one-shot Storm every time that four energy defense actually does twist the math that it usually takes him two attacks. She'll definitely die in two attacks, no question. But he yeah. usually can't do it in one. And so then he has to decide if he wants to, like, he's debating between if he wants to greed with the beam and try to get Honey Badger, or if he just wants to hit Storm again to make sure she goes down. And he decides, no, I need to make sure Storm dies here. Uh, goes into Storm with a spender, kills Storm. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can evacuate Honey Badger, and I have Ebony Maw sitting on that center sword, and he doesn't have any model that's not Malekith who can actually mess with Maw. Right, he has Luke Cage, Two Point Widow, Toad, and Sam Wilson. And like outside of Sam's push that can annoy Maw, all of those models are just going to die if they try to tussle with him. And yes. so, I'm able to throw a building at Toad to do a bunch of damage to him that he can't slippery out of, and then attack him, which stops him from being able to slippery away. Um, get his spell book, right? I'm able to get control of the extracts and get control of the right side of the board um, that I can start scoring some points. Uh, and then I'm feeling okay. Like I'm still in a hole at this point um, because I haven't done anything to Malekith yet. And at any point, you know, the next turn is going to be real bad when Malekith can actually start fighting. Right. And I end up getting a little lucky here towards the end of the game where I'm just managing the extracts a little better and he kind of loses track of who's holding what. And, you know, there's a moment where he has to like decide if he wants to try to kill Domino to get hers or pick up one that's on the ground. Um, but he basically ends up kind of losing track of the spell books and I'm able to have Domino escape with hers. And then I, Rogue gets a contested sword flip on the center point under Luke Cage, uh, and I win that 50-50, which then put it at a point where I had just won there because he could either come get me off the point, but I score my one point to win, and he scores five to get the 15, or he can chase down Domino, but I win the sword and win by even more. So uh, I have a combination there of both luck in getting that sword flip and the skill to not tilt and play to my out and get there by managing the extracts well. And I think that's an important lesson for all players to absorb is that you can take key losses and you can, you can have a round one totally backfire on you 
that is not the end of things. Definitely not. Like MCP more than any other miniatures game I've played is a game that rewards you for adapting to a changing situation, right? The nature of the dice, the nature of the way the characters are designed every time somebody makes attack chaos can happen, right? And the entire game can be flipped on its head with every attack anyone makes. Right. Um, and so you should always be trying to think on your feet. You should always be trying to identify what are my outs? What's my win condition? Uh, it's very hard for you to be totally locked out of a game until the game is actually over, right? Uh, yeah, there are situations where it's like mathematically impossible, but it's not going to be like the last activation of the game. Uh, and up until that point, you're still in it because the dice can do some very stupid things. Well, and for the the opposing perspective, right? Because this is a you know, it's like ninety nine percent about X Men, but we we can talk about other things <laughs> a little bit. Um, that's an interesting decision point for the Malekith player because, right? It's like Storm is a super juicy target, and people love killing Storm, right? Like mm-hmm. take the leadership off the table, she's easy to kill. You know, they love it, but. What that can also mean is that it didn't net him VPs. Correct. And he could have made a different choice that maybe could have helped him with VPs. And maybe for the the attrition player, maybe that is something to think about. Like, do you go after the juicy target or do you go after the target that may mean that you can win the game? And those those are difficult decisions to make. Again, this stuff is not easy. I was... Um, helping my my partner play a game the other day, and I was trying to vocalize all of the thoughts that I had about her different decision points, and mm-hmm. it just cemented to me how fucking complicated the game is. Where I'm like, you have priority. Here is the fucking gajillion different decisions that you have to make <laughs> in this moment, and like saying them out loud really hit home to me. Just like how much information you have to absorb. And for an experienced player, that might be almost instantaneous that you absorb the information, but then you still have to make a decision with it. Mm-hmm. And right or wrong, um, you know, as Morgan Reed says, you know, in retrospect, like after seeing the dice, the decisions either make you uh, make you look like a genius or a moron. Yep. Um, you just, you have a score at the end, but you are a 4-0, at the end of day one. And so I just have to ask, like, how much celebrating for Saturday night? Um, really not that much. Uh, I'm pretty reluctant to do a lot of drinking until an event is all the way over. Um, probably, even... probably advice that I should take more often. So I'm going to absorb that. That's my lesson for the episode. Don't drink too much until you actually win. Well, like they... even if I end up losing early, I'm still somewhat hesitant to drink because like, so after one beer, I'm feeling great. And after two beers, I want to take a nap. It's kind of, <laughs> no matter what I get, I'm a very sleepy drunk. And so I kind of have to just moderate myself so that I don't just fall asleep at the table or bow out. Right. So, um, yeah, like I'm certainly quite happy to have gone four and zero. It was already above kind of what I like. I expected to go X and one, but I was thinking maybe more an earlier loss. Like either of my last two rounds could have been a loss pretty easily, uh, and then you know I just went out from there. But yeah, I was definitely happy to be where I was and dreading all of my possible matchups for day two. Yeah, so you have Mike DeLuca as a potential opponent. You know, yep. fantastic player playing Avengers, probably most people's opinion, 
best faction in the game right now. Yep. You have Simon playing X-Men, who super practiced, has a really active meta, playing your same affiliation. You've taken some advice from him. Like, that's also a scary game. Never played Never the Mirror. Never played the X-Men Mirror before. So I don't yeah, and then you have, like, like. Uh, uh, you know, you also have a close friend, Zach, Mandalorian Orange, fantastic player, glorious opponent, you know, travels a lot, you know, just fantastic in every regard, playing Cabal Valakith. You just have three, like, there's only pain from here <laughs> for Nate. Yes, um, absolutely. And I heard there was a little bit of, shenanigans um where they had to redo some pairings and it sounded like you would have played simon yes and then they had to redo the pairings cuz they forgot to drop people yep and ended up versus zach and so i'm just going to thank who uh, uh actually i know who it was pat <laughs> i know you don't listen to my show <laughs> i don't even know if vince listens <laughs> um, uh, vince will listen when he knows who the guest is Okay, so Vince might listen to this, but I'm going to take a moment to thank Pat. Um, Pat, as a favored and glorious host of Alfredo's podcast, I appreciate that you did not make X-Men play against each other in the semifinals and at least allowed the opportunity. So I'm going to, in my heart of hearts, I believe that you did that so that X-Men did not have to play each other in the semifinals. <laughs> so I forgive you for all trespasses and um, you are my hero from here on forward. Um, also, man, mad props on the back of the box challenge because that third round <laughs> in the last episode, I got it wrong. And I don't get oh, very many sure. of those wrongs. And you got it right. So as much as people give you shit, Pat, whew, good job. Um, but Nate, you have to play against fucking Zach. Yep. Um, and like Zach is fucking great. Um, my hardest game of all time is against Zach. And now you're playing him in the in the semifinals. Yeah, um, he's a great player. And as far as like, he's the best Malekith player that I know of. All right. He has played a lot of Malekith games. And so and he's just a very good player in general on top of that. And so I know and very practice and attrition as well, like goes yeah. from playing a shit ton of guardians to playing Cabal. You know that this is a style that he is very accustomed to. Mm -hmm. So very solid player, very clean player, like Nothing but mad respect for Zach. Um, this would certainly be a matchup that I'm sweating. You're like, well, if I had a plan for Cabal Malekith, this is going to be the test because this may very well be one of the best Cabal Malekith players that I could possibly have to face. And now yep, you're facing exactly. it. Um, and he wins priority. Even <laughs> worse. Yep. Um, get all that priority wins out in the early round. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly what you want. Won the first um, three, lost the second three. Yep. Um, it looks like he chose extracts and gets yes. research station, and then you get mutant madmen, which is kind of a weird situation, right? Because you want Ebony Maw versus Malekith, but Ebony Maw's not great on mutant madmen. Well, what did you decide here? Yeah, so this was a real pickle, right? And this was one of those situations where I was like, "This was oh, the dillest of pickles," you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I was. This is one of those like, "Oh yeah," when people say you need some luck to win a big event, this is it, like written out for me. Because... <laughs> You're like, could I have gotten the luck in the crisis selection here, please? <laughs> well, I, I did. Is yeah. like getting researcher was the best thing that could have happened, right? Because 
I had concerns about this with like playing Mad Men and the current meta with the current list is rough because Maw is very not good at Mad Men, right? Uh, he's bad at flipping the portals. He's bad at getting between the portals. And like, he really wants to know if he's going to deal with Maw, he wants to know, or Malekith, he wants to know where Malekith is going to be, right? And For so sure. on meteors and sword like i was talking about earlier i know where malekith is going to be maybe not turn one but by turn two i know where malekith is going to be it's the center of the board and so ma is going to be able to be where he needs to be on madman malekith can juke the fuck out of me right like at any point yeah. i go to one side malekith can just like walk or buy frost to the other side and leave ma in the dust and so uh that has scared me enough to cut madman but i got researcher and with researcher, <laughs> I know where Malekith is going to be. Right. Yeah, extreme. Uh, it, so his other two cr the extracts were senators and hammers. So obviously, you're happy that you did not get senators for yeah. sure. Well, yep. Hammers a little bit more neutral. That could go either way. But you are happy that researcher basically becomes the new secure. Yes. <laughs> and is like the new priority. And the mutant yep. madman is like actually like. In the, I, I didn't think about it at first, but now, like, once you say it, because kind of makes like mutant madmen kind of like the extract. Mm -hmm. uh, that may be a weird thing to say, but it's that that's the off thing that like you move your two pointer over to or whatever. Yep. That's yep. just like score this shit for me and then we'll deal with the middle and like maybe your round one activation or something. Um, okay. I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with you now. So this is actually best case scenario for you extract wise yes by a country mile um, <laughs> and so i pick 18 because i know for a fact if you're playing into malekith and you're not the malekith player you want the bigger number and i think almost every list and almost every situation i've thought of and looked into the malekith player will do more mean things to you at lower threat because you'll have less room to bring in things to deal with him. Yeah, so when less Malekith, characters, or less characters, whatever it is, yeah. Uh, so at 18, uh, I get to play what I think is a very good list for this situation of Storm, Domino, Maw, Beast, and Rogue. So I have my Domino and Maw to be able to really destroy whatever comes on that researcher, right? Like just the gun line I love. And yeah. then I have Storm, Beast, and Rogue to be able to kind of like come in and out of the fight while also being able to occasionally go flip an extract when, or flip an extract. You got me doing it. Uh, flip a madman when I need to. <laughs> I'm going to call that a win. But yeah, 18 is so good for X-Men. God, I love yes. 18 so much. Uh, and so Zach goes with a very interesting list of Malekith, Mystique, Bullseye, and Hulk. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a little scary, I'm going to admit. Yeah, and like when he deployed that, I had not even considered Hulk as an option. I was like, oh, it's going to be Malekith, it's going to be Mystique, and it's going to be other scary Cabal stuff, right? I really hadn't considered it much past that. And then when I saw Malekith and Hulk, I'm like... All right. Well, this is going to stress test the Domino Maw plan, right? This is <laughs> the biggest of big boy meta possible. Let's see if the plan will work. All right. Well, um, what are what are your key moments here? What are the highlights of this yeah. Zacharama? Uh, so I very quickly identified that it would be total suicide to like storm hop 
beast over or send someone to one of his madman points right it's just like no we're he's gonna get his two i'm gonna get my two nobody's gonna cross the midline turn one right uh it's just they're just gonna die and so i also know and generally my plan on researcher is uh i'm gonna let my opponent have the researcher because i had last activation uh and you can take it with whatever you want that's fine and i'm gonna shoot whoever goes on it right and i'm just gonna build like a catcher's mitt and you're gonna come to the center and i'm gonna shoot the hell out of you and hopefully do enough damage that turn two i can you know day someone ko someone start getting attrition in my favor and like stop the researcher turn two turn three and start getting it going back the other way yeah um and he recognizes this and he's like well i'm gonna score the researcher so you know he as bullseye and mystique go first to grab his side points and then he's just like well if you're going to attack one of my big boys i want you to attack hulk and i'm like makes sense i would expect just that and so he flops hulk in the middle of the table uh he throws a size four into beast who happened to be standing there just so the size four is off the table uh beast is a champion beast is probably my pick for best x-men uh because he's just the guy who does all the work the other ones can't so that the other models can go have fun right uh he's the unappreciated engineer who just keeps things tuned up and running uh takes a size four uh i think he takes like one or two damage from it because he has some power to reroll too uh just shrugs it off entirely uh and so then i have domino go she walks up she shoots her guns at hulk to get some damage going uh and stands in a place where maw so and i have both beast and domino to hop off of with maw so i have a lot of options of where i want to put him to keep him safe because uh if things go poorly i want to make sure that he can uh shush malekith charge turn two uh even if he's not out in front right like he can be kind of to the side but still in the right place to shush the malekith charge and so then he's like okay i take some damage on hulk nothing too significant and he's like well i'm gonna put malekith on the center point as well i'm like makes sense i would do the same and so then I have Maw hop up, and I'm like, all right, this is where Maw will be, like, either let me down or win the game immediately, <laughs> right? Because if he hits Wilds on both of these, I'm in such a great spot. Like, if I can make Malekith and Hulk walk back and he doesn't score the researcher turn one, I'm living large. But also, that's not a reliable plan at all, right? Oh, really, yeah. my hope is I get one of the two Wilds. And it's what, like, I would just rough math off the top of my head, I would say 30%. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, so I'm like, okay, hop up, attack Malekith, don't get the wild, sad, do some damage. Attack Malekith again, do get the wild, push him back. Um, and then throw a size three at Hulk so that Hulk can't throw it at me. And so I get some good damage on Malekith, but nothing crazy. Uh, I've done some damage on Hulk, but not a huge amount. And then he gets to score the researcher and move it forward. Right. And so we're actually kind of like an interesting standoff here where um, he doesn't want Hulk to dive into my lines because then he's just going to get dogpiled by rogue. Who's on my right side, Domino and Maw. But I don't really want to go to him at all, obviously, because then I'm just going to die. So we kind of stand off for a bit. I end up deciding that like, I think I can, I consider this a bait. I send rogue to his madman point when mystique leaves it and flip it to try to make Malekith go horizontally towards Rogue instead of towards my team, right? Because um, I'm like, if I can just like have Malekith attack something I want, then I can have the rest of my team focus on Hulk, maybe put Hulk down before Malekith can join the party. 
and right. Malekith is damaged, so maybe he wants to keep Malekith safe. Like, it feels like a reasonable play. Yeah, and really, we talked about this afterwards, right? Like, his biggest thing is he really didn't want to have the charge get shushed, right? Because um, with hitting that push round one, he was not in range to charge. He'd have to walk and then try to charge, get it canceled, and, like, maybe beam one person or just walk a second time. Uh, and he really felt bad about that, but I think he actually just had to push through it, right? Because yeah. once Malekith went to the side, it meant I could just focus on Hulk, right? And like, sure, Malekith can go punch Rogue. She's reasonably durable. She's going to take a while to die. Have fun, right? Yeah, she'll and, chew up enough of his time. Yeah, and that's kind of how a lot of the rest of this game went, where I, through baits and good decision-making and sacrifice... Uh, boy, I love sacrifice. I pretty much always got him to attack the model I wanted him to, right? Like he was always feeling forced into who he attacked and when, uh, based on what I was giving him, which feels really good when it works out, right? Um, there's some, you know, there's some dicey things that happen here. Like at one point, he's trying to, uh, KO Rogue. And so he has Hulk go spend her into her do some damage and throw her and stagger her and leaves her on two. He goes to punch her, doesn't do any damage, plays follow me on Mystique. Mystique walks over, tries to shoot her, also does no damage, uh, which is pretty good for me. And so then Rogue gets to just have a killer activation instead of dying, uh, which puts me up ahead on attrition. There's another point here where I almost tilt myself off the face of the planet. Uh, so the researcher, he has scored the researcher twice and he's getting his bonus points. Um, but I've been able to largely keep the score even because I've had like his mystique and bullseye. have had to like come into the center and join the fight. And like his bullseye has to come stand on the, well, not yet, but it's about to come stand on the researcher. Right. Yeah. And so I just like, every time he leaves a point, I go and grab it. And then he's never able to go back and get it back for himself. Right. And so we're towards the end of turn four and he has just Malekith on the point, the researcher, and I have no one on it. And he has bullseye left to go. And I have storm who's on my bottom left madman and beast who's on my top right madman. And I'm like, cool. I have two models. He just has bullseye. who can get to this point and I have plenty of power on beast. You know, I've got these two models with throws. I can throw them off the point. I'm going to score the researcher, move it away. Feel really good about myself. And then I just fuck it up by going with Beast first, and Beast double walks to the point. And Beast was the only model with power to throw. Storm was on two. And oh. so then he has Bullseye go run on the point, and I'm like, all right, got... Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and so I just have to have Storm double walk onto the point and stop him from scoring two points. But I'm very mad at myself at this point, because I've cost myself a huge VP swing, and it was like the most unforced error of all time. Right. Like yeah. no one had any models left to activate. No one was going to make any attacks. We all knew exactly how this was going to shake out. We're just walking. Everybody's just going to walk twice with maybe a throw in there. And I activate in the wrong order. I'm sure Zach was like, thank you, Lord <laughs> Odin, for this gift of two VPs. Oh, my God. So I'm just like, all right, I'm still in a very comfortable place. Right. Like the rogue getting to live her best life. Hulk is on like one or two health at this point. He might have actually been dazed at this point. The attrition's going well, right? Like everything else has been going the way I wanted it to. You know, I've been controlling his attacks. I'm getting the madman points. I feel really good. So I'm just like, don't tilt, don't tilt, don't tilt. <laughs> um, it ends up where 
he has to try to have Bullseye do five damage to Maw when Bullseye had, I think, like five power. So it's like seven power. So it's a spender that he can pay to lower my defense once, but then he's only going to have one power for an I never miss in there. And then I'll have a builder that will have an I never miss. Right. Um, And so he does that. And it only ends up doing like three damage, I think, maybe four, but Maw lives. And then Maw gets to unload his Malekith, daze his Malekith, and then I can just score out from there. So um, I would have felt very good about that win if I hadn't have fucked up the beast turn, because then I have a much more comfortable buffer there at the end. But I do manage to pull it out. Uh, I have, you know, I KO'd his Hulk. I had KO'd Mystique. Bullseye was injured, and then I dazed Malekith. And he had actually had dazed a bunch of my models, but never KO'd everyone. I ended the game with all five models in play because I was able to control his models and control who he could hit when. Yeah, very... I don't want to say cleanly, because obviously there was a mistake in there, but still like a very delicate finesse game, and you, you played it very well on the crisis combination and created the best possible win conditions for yourself and carried it out in a very close game. So mad props to Zach. I know Zach is an absolutely amazing player. That's mm-hmm. you you know that you had no no non-amazing players to play against at this point. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um but let's let's get into round six. We don't have to go into a super in-depth because you already did it a bit on your podcast, but let's hit just a couple of the key stuff. So you're playing against DeLuca in the finals, so Avengers versus X-Men. Um, two best of factions in the game at the moment is what I'm going to say. Um, Mike wins priority and then gets his portals, which is, I would say, his nightmare scenario here that he would have he would have easily preferred either of his other two secures. And then you get cubes, which is reasonable for you. I'm not sure which one would have been your favorite of the secures, but, or of your extracts, but totally reasonable. Um, and then you choose 18 threat, which again, very good for X-Men. Um, what, yeah, were, what were so the team comps here? Just real quick to talk about the crisis thoughts here, right? Because like, so I totally agree with you. Me getting spider portals was the best thing that could have happened. And like, I talked to Mike afterwards, he's cut spider portals, <laughs> seeing how yeah. good X-Men on it. It's just like Avengers are very good on spider portals and everyone who isn't X-Men, but I don't, man, I don't think anyone holds a candle to how good X-Men can X-Men be. X-Men have like a right 70% win record. It's insane. Portals. Yeah. Do yeah. not, if you have sp- <laughs> X-Men players around, don't give them the gift of spider portals, right? Find something else. Um, I do think I did get probably my worst extract here. It's not as bad as Spider Portals is for him, so I'm still, I think, coming out ahead on yeah. the Crisis Choice. But I would have really liked... I think Spider Infected is probably my favorite because I yeah. know... I know the way Mike plays. The way Mike plays is he wants <laughs> to get all the extracts on the Hulk and run away with Hulk, right? Um, and just make it... He wants to do his bank heist because that's his favorite thing to do is go steal the stuff and run away with it. And... Spider infected means Hulk can only hold one thing, right? And so he has to put them on some other models that are easier for me to get it back off of. I think it would have been easier than dealing with cubes where you can just put all the cubes on Hulk. But again, not going to complain because I got spider portals. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, tell us what the teams were. So he played uh, Sam, Hulk, Cat, Voodoo, and Two Point Widow. Right. And this is 
pretty much as expected, a heist team, right? He's got Black Cat and Voodoo to steal stuff. He's got Hulk because he has priority. He can walk up, grab the center one, Avengers assemble back, grab one of his other ones, right? Get two cubes and Hulk immediately, has lots of steals. It's the Mike DeLuca plan. Pretty yeah. much what I was expecting to see. Um, and I think that's a pretty good choice. We talk a little bit later. He thinks he might want to play Luke Cage instead of Cat, but we can get into that if it comes up. Uh, I end up going with an interesting team that I've gotten a bunch of questions on. So I played <laughs> Storm, for sure I knew I was going to play, and Jugs, I knew for sure I was going to play, right? Because I could tell this game is going to be about the extracts, right? Whoever can control the extracts is going to win this game, and the secure is just going to kind of be there, but it's not the focus. And so while Maw is decent at spider portals, I really wanted Juggernaut to be able to just move a million miles and chase down extract runners. So I knew I wanted Storm. I knew I wanted Jugs. Uh, I knew I wanted Beast because Beast is just a problem solver who can go get portals. He can go throw people around like most Avengers he can throw about. He's going to have a good time. So I knew I wanted Beast. Uh, and then I took Honey Badger, X-23, and Toad. And so the question I've gotten a lot is like, well, why didn't you just do Voodoo instead of Toad and Badger, right? If the game is going to be about the extracts, bring Voodoo who's really good at getting extracts off people and running away with them, right? Or like, if he gets all the cubes on Hulk, possession is one of the best ways to undo that. And I think that's totally valid. I waffled on this decision for quite a while, and I think there's definite merits to both directions. Um, what it ended up being for me was that I wanted to be wider than him to make sure I have options when it comes to like I get last try at the portals and I also get that last activation to try to get one of his extract runners and mess with them semi safe from reprisal. Right. So I knew I really wanted the last activation and I also really wanted six bodies, right? Like I understand it's, you know, Badger can't flip portals, but um, having a extra body really does change your options to hop models around. Right. When you have both Toad and Badger, who I don't really care that much about getting the most out of their activation, and I'm totally happy having them just like walk or double walk somewhere so that other models can hop off of them. Right. And that, that ended sense. up being pretty key. Uh, I think if I re racked this, I would definitely, if we re immediately, I would definitely want to try it with Voodoo to compare and contrast. <laughs> yeah. Um, try the other way. But I'm ultimately very happy. Badger had a great game. And so I ended up being very happy with the choice I made. That makes sense. Okay. So Nate, that interesting team compositions, I understand your difficult decision with voodoo there. So let's talk a little bit about the game. What are some of the key moments here? Yeah. So this one, as you mentioned in the last episode, Alfredo's we go into pretty deep detail. Uh, so I'm just going to keep to the highlights here. And if you want more, you can go there. But, Absolutely. Um, he does the Hulk thing. He grabs the center cube, grabs one of his back cubes. We unpack and flip portals. Um, I have Beast go to my left one, and he flips that. He sends Black Cat to my right side and flips that one and gets the skull on it so I can just push Black Cat away from me uh, and leave that point uncontested. Uh, we just kind of unpack for a bit. I have Storm grab a cube and come back to my home point. I have X-23 go grab my right cube and just kind of stand there to menace anybody who comes on to that right spider portal next turn, right? If anybody ends their turn there, she'll be in range to spend with them and start murdering. 
and I have Badger just double walk pretty much the center of that right spider portal so that if anybody wants to come over there, they're going to be in the Badger timeout corner. And so he the has Badger timeout corner. <laughs> he has a tough decision here where he's like, well, I still own that right portal, but I still, you know, I'm saving Juggernaut as my last activation. So Mike has to decide, is he cool letting me just have Juggernaut go flip that? Does he want to have Voodoo go double walk and stand there on the point and make it harder for Juggernaut to contest? And also he can stand within three of X-23 so that next turn when he has priority, he can possess her, steal her cube and run away with it. Right. And I think that's, so he decides, yeah, I'm going to have Voodoo go stand over there and see if I can't uh, hold this portal for myself and set up to begin the heist next turn, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I think that totally makes sense. Um, but it does put him in ankle biter range, and I had set it up so that you know I have uh, Toad on one side of Juggernaut and Storm on the other side of Juggernaut, so that I can storm up and get to any of the three portals. Right. I got two different people to hop off of. Juggernaut can get to any portal he wants. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take the one you gave me and I'm going to go punch this voodoo who's an ankle biter. And so he hops, walks, punches and dazes voodoo, which is pretty good dice, right? Like it's, uh, we determined it was about 25% odds of one shotting. Well, it's 25% odds of doing at least five which means I can then slide into him for the six point. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if that was factored in or not. I was like, yeah. you didn't mention that specifically on the oh, Alfredo's sure. cast. Yeah. And so I was curious. So it's 25% to hit the five plus, which then means you can slide in. Yes, exactly. Okay. Perfect. Glad we got a little addendum. Uh, Alfredo's <laughs> size three taco truck, a Marvel crisis protocol podcast part two. Um, we got that, that little extra detail. Um, but you just fucking obliterate Voodoo. Yeah, which I'm feeling pretty good about. He does have a smart play here where he can use the Sam leadership to have Black Cat come in and stand on the point so that he's still contesting it, um, which I was like, okay, I could, do you know, to get her out of here and then flip the point, but uh, I decide that I would rather save that card and save Juggernaut's power for the future. Uh, this is only one VP, and I'm just going to try to flip the point out from under her, which I do, which is, you know, what's, I think that's a 50-50. It's, it's a fi yeah, it's, a, it's an yeah. even 50-50. Which, cool, right? Like, feeling good about that. Um, and so he then has a very tough decision next turn that he spends a lot of time thinking about. Um, and well, let's, I want to I talk about the decision oh, sure. for just a moment, because mm -hmm. this is, again, another one that you guys covered a lot in Alfredo's. And I was trying to think about how I felt like my instinct in both situations where they were a little bit risky mm -hmm. and I'm still not 100% sure whether or not in DeLuca's situation, if I would have made the same play or not, I'm still unsure. Um, the counterpoint that I was trying to make talking about the situation with DeLuca is that this was still a very, very close game. And while it always feels good to go up early, I do think DeLuca has a very, very strong mid game, not to say that yours mm -hmm. isn't. But, no, but I agree. Maybe just keeping the risk off of Voodoo is worth it in the long run because Voodoo is like a top tier S tier character that can just win you games. Yeah. I mean, that's and, kind of where I came down on this one, too, is that like I understand risking a character to try to get that portal in your favor, right? But I think after Hulk, 
Voodoo is far and away the most important model you have, right? And that I think he should have just like unpacked his list differently, right? Like I don't love sending Black Cat to go flip a portal turn one because then Steel is just not a threat for a long time, right? Like she's going to start turn two on one power and it's Sam, it's not Steve. It doesn't have R&D. She's going to be waiting a little while before she can do her powerful stuff, right? Um, And so I think he should have like sent Sam in first. Like I think based on my storm play, people are too precious with their leaders a lot of the time. And there are definitely games where it's worth putting your leader in danger to protect other models, right? Like I baited storm earlier. I think sending Sam in early here makes total sense. Uh, it's a very high scoring game. This is not going to go very many turns, right? Like, <laughs> that is, I will agree with you. 100% there are nine there. points on the table. It's okay. If Sam goes down kind of early, if that gets you a comfortable lead, because it will not be a long game. Um, yeah, I will just say, I mean, this is a top table situation, right? Mm-hmm. And both of you are making decisions based on trying to win an event. And there's no mm-hmm. money on the line. It's just, it's all prestige. It's all yeah. just about like, I built a great roster. Both of you guys have incredible rosters. I, as as much as I am as a spectator in this situation, trying to judge what decision I would have made in Mike's situation, I legitimately don't know. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, 25% chance like, but you, you think about on the flip side, 75% chance if like that goes in his favor, that's huge, especially if Jugs also fails the flip. I, ah, man, I don't know what I would have chosen in that situation. So I'm, I'm not ready to come down on Mike or, or what, but it is something to think about. Like, I think people often over prioritize the round one positioning and it can always feel good coming out of round one ahead, but the mid game is a very, very integral part of the game where all those round one plans get demolished. And I, I just think with the caliber of player, like I just think it is at least in the conversation to play to the mid game, not play to the round one. Yeah. And so I think the follow-up play, like his play with Friday next turn also compounds the situation and decision-making and risk tolerance, right? So he's like, okay, well, he knew if he's going to punch by Juggernaut, dazed or not, Voodoo's going to have a lot of power next turn and is already in range to possess X-23 and heist her cube, right? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And if he gets away with that, he's got four of the cubes on his side of the board. That's a real pain for me. Right. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to possess X23, grab her thing. And then realizes Voodoo has a lot of power and he's actually in range where he can walk like laterally and be in range to possess Storm, pick up her cube, and then walk backwards once. Um, and so now if he does that, he would have all five cubes on his characters, right? Two on Voodoo, two on Hulk, one on Two Point Widow, uh, yeah. all on his side of the board, like all behind the midline pretty safely. Uh, which is brutal, right? Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. But I also think this is one where he's, I don't know, this one felt like kind of compounding the greed a little bit where he saw he had all this power and could do a cool thing, but should have just possessed X-23 and walked backwards twice, right? And gotten the additional distance and the additional safety rather than having to walk horizontally once and then once backwards. Because... 
not only does Voodoo have a lot of power, Juggernaut has a lot of power, <laughs> right? Uh, when you one-shot a dude, Juggernaut's swimming in power. And yeah, his so, mobility is next level at that point. We spend the rest of this turn where he's trying to keep Voodoo safe, and I'm trying to, you know, get attacks into him. Uh, Badger helps out here where she gets to spend her into Black Cat and does one or two damage, which then bleeds and slows Black Cat, which means Black Cat doesn't get to participate in the game for a bit. You know, like a slowed Black Cat yeah. is great. Ooh, that's uh, very sad. Right. Uh, it really neuters her. And so then Black Cat is like, well, fine, I'll stagger X-23, which I'm like, oh, that's annoying. X-23 is not going to get to do much. Um, and he's like, I'm trying to put Badger to be a hop node for Juggernaut to get the most distance. And he's trying to figure out ways to displace Badger safely without like exposing Hulk and exposing things that matter. Um, but then I, you know, once he does that, I can have Toad go over and be a hop node instead. Like having both Badger and Toad there who don't care about their activations means I can just have a lot of angles for Juggernaut. Um, uh, Storm actually gets to walk forward and attack Voodoo because Voodoo can only get so far away. Uh, and Voodoo has no power at this point, so can't pull his brother back. So there's only Def 2. And Storm does, I think, two points of damage here, which is pretty okay. cool. Um, and so he tries to stop me, tries to block landing zones, but Juggernaut can, like, hop, slide, walk, slide. What's up, Voodoo? Uh, <laughs> punches Voodoo, does... All right, so he plays second wind to heal Voodoo here. So Voodoo has five health. Uh, Juggernaut gets over there, punches him, does four damage, slides in him for the last point to KO Voodoo, um, which, you know, is obviously less dicey than the previous kill, but it feels pretty good to just one-shot Voodoo twice with Juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, that's probably 35, 40%? Uh, 44%. 44%. Okay, a little, little higher than I thought, but still, still very scary numbers. That's like... That's dangerously close to a 50-50. Yeah. Um, so I'm feeling good at this point. Right? I get those off of him. Uh, Juggernaut gets the cube. Uh, and then it's like, okay. The next turn, I think, is an interesting one. Uh, Juggernaut one-shots... or no, Sorry, Hulk one-shots Juggernaut, uh, grabs his cubes, and run away with them. And I'm like, damn, well, that's... <laughs> Okay. I, playing, I thought you were playing two control teams. What's this like <laughs> next level murder going on, Nate? Um, but because I had the extra bodies and because the attrition started in my favor and because he's, you know, trying to get the cubes and collapse backwards, I'm able to like lock up three of the portals and just have my whole list collapse on his home point. Right. And he can't really do anything about it. Like I kill at some point in here, I kill black cat and he's just got like Voodoo, or not Voodoo, uh, Widow and Sam and Hulk chilling nearish his home point. But my whole list just needs to collapse in that direction, right? And so um, I continue to get unlucky this turn, where my X-23 Spender's Black Widow from range three, so she's a martial artist, only does like two damage, and then stabs her and only does like one damage, yeah. uh, which, so I can't get the cube off of her. I flipped the point out from underneath her at least, so I get another 50-50 in my favor, but not getting that cube kind of sucks. Uh, she dazes to the cube, and we sit and do some math, right? And he's looking at it. It's like, well, Hulk's got three cubes. Sam has a cube, and there's a cube on the ground, I think is the situation. And he's like, well, I can run to the corner with my cubes, and if I do that, we're going to both go to 16 this turn. But the next turn, I have 
one cube fragment and four portals and he has four cubes. So he'd have to come back into me to try to change the situation, which doesn't sound fun. Um, and so he's looking at it. He's like, well, I still have a bunch of bodies left. He's not going to be able to attrition me. He just has to have Hulk go grab that cube fragment that Widow dropped in the power phase, the cube damage, and hope he can live. And if he lives, he wins. If he dies, he doesn't. But I'd already done, I don't know, four or five damage to Hulk. But also, I was in a spot where Honey Badger walks over, stabs him for some damage, puts him in an ankle biter, Toad hops, incinerates him, tongue lashes him. Now he's deaf to Hulk. X-23 is in range, Juggernaut is in range, Storm is in range, Beast can walk and hit him once. I have so many attacks. X-23 kills him, but I had a lot more coming after that. Uh, turns out, Anklebiter and Incinerate is the best way to kill big guys. There's like no model in the game that survives being minus two death. Yeah, you just, you, you end up with like, I have one dice and I roll nothing. And you can pay four power to re-roll that if you want, Hulk, but... And then still have less than 50-50 chance of getting <laughs> uh, even a single defense, which X-23 might pierce anyway. Yeah, it's real bad. So he knew, he identified his out and played to it, but it was very stacked in my favor at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of damage. Like the, we, We've all played the games, right, where you play something like Hulk, and there's just no... You end up with three secures or three extracts near the end of the game, and there's mm-hmm. just nowhere near enough attacks. On the flip side, when it's Hulk holding three extracts and there's a shit ton of attacks, it's super scary. But Yeah, I mean, that's that's the benefit of spider portals, right? The fact that I could keep near parity with VPs while coming at him is a huge part of why I could win that game. Yeah, and like I, I know I mentioned that that's your preferred secure of the bunch. There's there's so many different dice rolls that contribute towards a win, and oh, for sure. obviously that's a big one. Like getting that one instead obvious. of the normal yeah. these like in your is face. a very apparent one. Um, and then like one shotting voodoo, but we, we've said it a million times. Everybody will say it. There's nobody wins any event without some degree of luck. But there's a lot of aspects to winning an event that comes down to not tilting when you one-shot Black Widow and then Malekith kills two (laughs) characters, right? Like, there's so many moments that you have to stay in the zone and we, you know, you see it talked about with like, say, professional athletes where you you, you have everyone in the like the top 1% of physical, um, like competitive level where then it comes down a lot to motivation Mm -hmm. where at the top, like who is most motivated, who is trying the hardest, who is pushing the hardest. Everybody gets some spikes, ups and downs. I'm sure if we recapped all the games with say DeLuca or Zach or Simon, I'm sure we could identify a few different moments in those games where the reason why they're in the top four is because they had a few key roles go in their favor. That's not really what contributes to a winner. Um, It's a part, but um, so, you know, mad congratulations, Nate, you, you go six and oh, you had to go through like an incredible list of opponents and potential matchups and you you didn't quite play against six different affiliations, fucking Avengers. Um, but um, I, I'm just happy to see such a um, 
such a passionate player and uh, and a player that focuses so much on clean play walk away with a big win. And so um, I hope I speak for all of the listeners and just saying congratulations. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, like I said, stop. I was very happy to have won this event. I was pretty happy with my play. You know, like I said, I didn't play flawlessly every game, but I played good enough in the situations presented with me. Um, but, but yeah, definitely all of those last games could have gone the other way in a heartbeat. Uh, but all my opponents were great. You know, uh, I just, man, I don't know. I, I love second wind, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad to have finally won a second wind. I think everybody should try to make it out next year if you can. Uh, it's a really unique experience, right? I really do think the more events should steal our idea of the best in affiliation tokens, right? Just please. Oh, just steal was that from totally us. stealing that shit too. <laughs> like 100%. There's going to be some of best affiliation trophies for something. We're, we're, we're talking about a few different ways of doing it, but yeah, totally fucking ganking that shit, you know, black cat, you know, pay three power LVO <laughs> stealing that from uh second win for sure. It's just so cool to see the different lists that people come up with uh, and have that variety. You know, I mean, to play five different affiliations in six rounds and even the two Avengers players were meaningfully different games. It's just, it's great. Yeah. Um, 100%. And, and props to, um, you know, uh, Pat and uh, bots for running the event so smoothly. I mean, I really wish Vince would have helped a little bit, you know, <laughs> If he had contributed in some way to making the event be such an amazing, um, spectacular experience for people, I mean, really all he did was wear an eye patch and uh, shit the bed <laughs> against Malekith. Uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll make him listen. <laughs> Absolutely. He's going to love uh, this. But no, seriously. Um, I'll say this and we'll like, we'll have an edited version that we'll send to Vince that doesn't happen. <laughs> but really he did a, he did a great job. Like he laid all the, like, obviously Vince does a shit ton of work for this. Um, yeah. And so like props to your whole team as someone who also runs events and organizes events, like it's a thankless fucking job. <laughs> um, and so um, I will take the moment to just say, you know, any any great event, you it sounds like you guys stayed on schedule, you handled mm -hmm. problems, players had a great time. Like, uh, I am super sad that as much as I had planned to come to this one that I wasn't able right, to make it. Yeah. Um, I am it even just coming and watching some of these great games would have been uh, an insane experience. So, um, yeah, just. <laughs> fucking fucking cool as hell and uh, i'm glad that you guys have merged this event from guild ball into into mcp um insane but congratulations again to you um why don't you take a moment before we wrap up this primary episode um i know we've talked about alfredo's size three <laughs> taco truck and marvel crisis protocol podcast a few different times you know at least yeah. one or two um, but shout out to opponents or players that have helped you test or people that give you feedback, anything that you want to say, um, like, like it's an Emmy speech and you just won best <laughs> producer. Um, what do you want to say, Nate? Yeah. I mean, um, if you're really good on the list, right. I had a lot of people, I think deserve 
some amount of credit for this win, right? Um, so what do I say? So I got to thank Simon, right, for sharing that Ebony Mod Tech, a huge help in a bunch of my games. Uh, definitely would not have won this event without that. So I appreciate him and all the Montreal guys just being so open and friendly, right? Like they're definitely, I think they got to be playing more games than any other meta that I know of. And the fact that they're so cool about sharing what they've learned in their tech, I think is great. Um, and I really, really appreciate that. I'm always a big fan of people sharing tech when they learn cool stuff. Um, so I definitely have to shout out the Montreal guys and was very glad they could make it down to the event so I could see me, me, ah, meet them in person. Uh, I got a shout out Vince because um, obviously I practiced a lot with Vince. He was also, as he put it, giving me that good juju with... So the eye patch thing was a... Let's up, let's up. You have to listen to the Alfredo size three taco sure. truck and Marvel yeah, Press that's fair. podcast to know about the eye patch. Please go check out the episode if you want to know about the secret eye patch tech that is that is in their podcast. Yeah, so that was a big help. Uh, I want to shout out my buddy Eric, who's one of my locals, uh, one of the best miniatures game players I've ever met. Um, he was really good at War Machine. He was really good at Guild Ball. He's really good at this one. Uh, definitely is responsible for keeping me sharp. Uh, should be at Elvio. We'll terrorize people there. Uh, oh yeah, he won the first last qualifier I was at. So he will be in the Invitational and he will Hell be yeah. a terror there. So everybody prepare for Eric, but uh, definitely want to shout him out for always helping me dojo and practice and learn shit. Uh, and then last one, I definitely have to shout out another local of mine, a buddy named Kosi. Uh, he came up to me one day, he just messaged me on Facebook one day and was like, Hey, so this is a weird question. And I know, but I was wondering if you wanted to swap storm models, because I've got this customized, very pretty, well-painted storm that I would love to see get played by like a very high skill player and like have it show up at big events. And his storm is gorgeous, right? Like he... Uh, has like a sentinel head for her to stand on. Um, <laughs> he did her in the white costume with the gold trim instead of the black. Uh, very well painted. I'm an average painter. Like all my paint jobs are just contrast paints. They so look why fine do you want to switch? Because he really wanted his well painted storm to show up on high level tables. That's so cool. It's the coolest thing, right? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> I want your storm. Your storm looks way better than mine. And also, he's a smart guy and glued her feet to the sentinel head. So she's super stable and doesn't wobble at all. I love this storm. And I definitely think I got a lot of good luck from having her. So thank you for that, Cozy. And if any other good painters want to trade or give me models, I'm open to it. Yeah, Cutthroat Cure actually mentioned to me that he would be interested in helping me have like a pro painted competitive team. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. let's start with Storm because yep. I know yep. that's where I'm going to start. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like if you're going to start anywhere with like having that team be super exceptional, like Storm is certainly where I would start. Yeah, I had I commissioned Vince in the spring of this year to paint me up a very nice Star Lord which he has been working on. But I also told him as this event was approaching that like, I'm not playing guardians. Like I yeah, am on no, a guardians break for a while. Now you yeah. can push that commission to the back and finish up your shield roster, buddy. We have recruited you full, full on X-Men bro at this point. Yeah, for sure. All right. 
Uh, did we did we wrap up the the shout outs? I don't I don't yeah, feel like I cut I think, you short. I mean, all my opponents were great. I loved playing each and every one of you. They were all very chill, except for that uh, one guy. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone I met at the event was super nice. Just yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, and if I am, I apologize. But nah, there was that was shield great. guy at the event wearing the eye patch. Fucking <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, that just sounds like a super cool event. Everything I heard was everyone had a fantastic time. And I imagine that event could be absolutely fucking crazy next year. Yeah, I, I expect it to be pretty, uh, get your ticket early next year because you yeah. have a fairly hard cap at 64, just based on the square footage of the building we're in. Um, yeah. so I don't think there's any way we can expand beyond that. Uh, we did sell out this year. We will sell out faster next year. So if you're interested, make sure you're paying attention and snag that ticket when it comes up. Yeah. 100%. All right. Well, this episode is running super long. <laughs> Um, but it's just so much like, I don't even know what I would cut out of this. It's just all fucking juicy Nate X-Men tech. And so it's all gotta be in there. Um, so I will just wrap it up here and say the most OP thing that you could do is listen to the raw ma episode by Alfredo's size three taco truck, a Marvel crisis protocol podcast, and find out about the iPad later nerds. 